Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avra. And we are here with episode 549 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology uh, for Sunday, February 9th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcasts Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, AMD's coming to a PC near you. Clearview AI is spying on your face. And Viacom CBS wants to compete with itself. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, um, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the myriad of others. Um, or, of course, on our website, PlugKidsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are a couple of ways you can do that. The first is Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to uh, f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us in the studio uh, and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. We always love to hear what you have to say. Uh, if you can't join us live, that is okay. You can always go to PlugKidsLive.com slash subscribe. And uh, there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and more. And uh, you can find all of the ways that you can subscribe. Uh, I think that's I think that's that, Avram. It's good to be back. Yay. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, it's good to be back to be back doing the show. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, Things are starting to rev up a little bit uh, with with new uh, with new stuff happening uh, in in the industry. Although, of course, we all know that there's some insert uncertainty going around because of the coronavirus. So, um, yeah, I saw like I a whole bunch was, of companies aren't aren't going to topics. No, I saw a lot of companies but, aren't going to Mobile but, World Congress. Yes. So it, it, it gives me some pause about, well, it get, it makes me very concerned about my favorite, most important, my favorite and the most important show of the year for me and for Tom's hardware, which is Computex, which takes place in Taiwan this year, uh, first week of June. Um, you know, obviously if people are afraid of uh, spreading germs in Barcelona, right? Because there's some companies coming from uh, and visitors coming potentially coming from China, but really, I mean, you could make the argument that since the disease has gone global now, like, couldn't anybody have it? Yeah. Um, in that case, should we not congregate anywhere? But, um, you know, if there's a bunch of companies that have bailed out or sort of bailed out. I think like LG and ZTE said that they're not doing comp press conferences, but they're still going to have booths. So I don't, mm. I don't know what the logic behind that is. Um, so at Mobile World Congress, well, obviously we've got a couple of months still to hopefully see the coronavirus under control, but it, but a lot of people feel that there's a lot of people who I've talked to feel that it's a good possibility that Computex gets postponed or postponed or canceled this year. Now, the official word, um, I'm going to tell you that my, um, 
that Ian Cutress of Anontech, which is uh, also part of our parent company, and I know those folks quite well, uh, did a story this week where he actually uh, talked to Titra, the company that run the foundation or whatever that runs Computex, and they said that they don't have any plans right now to to cancel or postpone it, and they are doing issuing some kind of guidance for their cycle show, which they have, which they're doing, which is in March. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I guess we still have a few months out to see, to see what happens. Wow. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm definitely concerned about that. And, sure. and it could have a very chilling effect on, uh, you know, all you need to do is, is say, have, concerns about an outbreak around uh, the manufacturing centers in China. And that could uh, really have a huge effect on the global economy. Yeah, for sure. There's already so. concerns that it might uh, delay manufacture of, of products that have been announced um, and that stuff may, may end up getting delayed already or things that haven't been announced. There's, there's concern that the uh, the new whatever the the inexpensive iPhone the not the C the other the one SE? yeah the SE um, yeah the SE that the, they might delay the announcement of that uh, because they may not be able to manufacture it in time. So yeah, this has yeah. been this has been an interesting an interesting thing with a, a potentially big impact on like you said the global economy yeah so obviously a lot of a lot of concern there um but news continues to flow so hopefully hopefully you know the wheels of uh of progress continue to flow because obviously we don't like hearing about anybody getting sick or dying and uh we also you know don't like uh, hearing about stuff, you know, in a whole industry coming to a halt or largely to a halt. True. And, and, you know, we, obviously we live within the tech industry, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's limited to us. I would be, I'd be interested to see, you know, there's a lot of textiles that happen in China and, you know, fabric is, is well known for, for holding on to, disease and stuff it would be interesting to see what happens in the textile uh space as well i bet they're gonna have trouble there too one thing i read and i'll just leave it with this is that is that the virus cannot live outside of a host for more than a few hours mm. so that's good presumably to hear. if you buy something that was made in in china and it's been shipped to you uh even there's no way that it could be carrying the virus on a, on a piece of okay. clothing or that's a good. piece of electronics. I mean, that's what I, I read somewhere. I mean, maybe I wouldn't take that to the absolute bank, but, um, uh, that plus of course I, we're I early in somewhere and I'd like to believe that we're also early in learning about yeah. the details of the thing. Yeah. So there's, there's always the possibility that they'll, that they could find out new information, but, that at least at least for now yeah let's let's keep our fingers crossed that that's accurate information cuz obviously you and I are going to have our hands on 
all kinds of products over the next couple of months that are coming from China in, in a way that most consumers don't end up with. So fingers crossed there. Yes. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and get into some of our own news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new tablet, a laptop, an Xbox One, either S or X, um, or a whole lot more Office 365 games for your PC or your Xbox, VR headsets, keyboards, and more, uh, you can find all of them at the uh, Microsoft Store. And uh, we always like to remind people that if you're a current student or uh, military, you always get a discount on almost all products. And you can find all of the deals that are running right now, including saving $150 on an Xbox One X, one terabyte uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order bundle, uh, and a whole lot more by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So uh, we have talked about this a little bit uh, in the Pilch Point in the past. And this week we got some kind of harder uh, news on it. Obviously we've been talking about AMD's kind of resurgence over the last, particularly the last year, but really the last three generations of processors. Um, They have... They have come from a place where at one point we were like, is AMD even still making processors? And then they put out the Ryzen chips and holy cow, did they take uh, the industry by storm. Making Intel almost look like uh, they're the ones who have stopped making processors because, you know, they're technologically they're farther behind the even just this week uh, a benchmark on the new uh, Threadripper 3995X 90X 90X, 90X. Uh, came out yeah. above uh, Intel's like double Xeon like crazy <laughs> uh, chip setup uh, for way less and that's always been AMD's thing. AMD has always been, you know, a less expensive processor. That's the space they've lived in. And with the Ryzen and Threadripper stuff, they have managed to come from a place where we were like, well, I guess AMD's not doing computers anymore to having um, 18.3% of the desktop share and 16.2% of the laptop share uh, which represents a f- a two and a half and a four percent overall increase year over year uh, for them, which you know when when you take into consideration how short of a time period the uh, the Ryzen mobile chips have really been available to manufacturers to have to have I'm taken really sixteen to have taken sixteen point two percent of the laptop market. Wow. Yeah, that that really says a lot because particularly in the laptops, the laptop space is AMD's weak spot. And, you know, obviously we're all hoping 
to see not that we're rooting for AMD over Intel necessarily, but I think we would hope we could see better competition from them. Uh, and so that, the, and I think, and we're all expecting that this year might be the year that they really turn the corner and have, and have processors that are significantly on par with or better than Intel's best. Because what we've seen in prior years with the Ryzen mobile was eh, it's getting better it's getting better. It's still not quite as good. The battery life's not quite as good. Inter right. uh, you know, integrated graphics is always a little better on AMD. But if you're buying a system with integrated graphics, maybe you don't care that care that much that you maybe you would prefer uh, better battery life and better performance. Sure. Um, overall, so um, you know that they've managed the 16.2. Uh, and also consider that laptop manufacturers are much more conservative about what chip they'll use than desktop. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, that's, that means that they, that means that they can only go, they can go a lot higher because they haven't really penetrated most segments of the market. I mean, where's the great AMD, you know, lightweight ultrabook, right? There isn't. Where's the great AMD CPU powered gaming laptop? There's a couple that have it. They're not. They're not in the top yeah. tier. Right. Um, the what my understanding is is that uh, there, you know, the couple of AMD powered uh, gaming laptops that came out in 2019. A lot of it was really about cost and right. the manufacturers saying like okay we have to hit a particular price point and we can shave a few dollars off by going with an amd processor right even if they also went with nvidia graphics so um yeah it's amazing that they're getting um that they've done so well in 2019 with with this because i uh -huh. think we're expecting much much more from them in 2020 and then on the desktop side it's not as much of a surprise because uh, the Ryzen 3000 series came out. That's been absolutely fantastically reviewed. Mm -hmm. Ryzen 2000 series uh, was was very uh, well thought of, and and so was actually original Ryzen. So, you know, they're they're into the you know third generation now of a successful platform. Right. Something that people on desktop want. People who build desktops uh, want it now. They're not always cheaper than Intel. True. They are a lot of times cheaper than Intel, or they give you more cores for the same price. Uh, but, you know, if you want a high-end Ryzen chip, it's not cheap. Um, right. Or, or God forbid, you want a Threadripper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you shouldn't expect the Threadripper to be cheap. <laughs> but um, they might be cheap compared to a Xeon, though. But, sure. Uh, I mean, also the motherboards are not cheap at all. I mean, you're talking about spending, if you're building a computer yourself, and if you're not building a computer yourself, it's going into the cost of the computer that you bought. Uh, you know, you're talking about for a Threadripper motherboard is probably usually like four or $500 yeah. at the least just for the motherboard. And uh, with a Ryzen 3000 series, depending on what chipset you want in your motherboard, you could end up paying quite a bit especially if you want the X570 chipset, which is the latest and greatest. And the reason why you would want that uh, for those who aren't building PCs or familiar with 
all that is is just that it, it uses faster processors. I mean, faster faster SSDs, so you can actually get uh, sat, uh, you can actually get uh, PCIe PCIe four uh, connectivity, and that's something AMD has. It's also letting it be dominant. Right. Yeah. So when you're when you're you know thinking about building a, a non-server grade but high data uh, usage machine, PCIe four only supported in that in that uh, that infrastructure. So AMD is the way to go there. So it's I it's definitely good to see, uh, like you said, the 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 increase. Um, in in their market share is a good thing yes sure um if you own stock in the company their their stock is up almost a hundred percent you know two years over you know this year over two years ago but uh from a an industry standpoint challenging intel this is proof that intel needs to be challenged because it is proof that they have let things slide uh because with very little work, AMD has managed to uh, to take a chunk out of out of the the market share for Intel. Because when you take into you know the processor space is a zero sum game, right? It's if 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 AMD's market share increases, it's because Intel's decreased. It's not. <laughs> there's not some other magic thing, uh, and. Sure, you know, ARM processors account for point one percent of machines. Well, who cares? So, for AMD to go up, Intel has to go down, and the only thing that can do is is puff Intel up. Uh, hopefully, uh, so that we'll have some actual competition. Let's, this, I mean, this. The other thing is AMD. I mean, you're only purely talking the zero sum game in. PCs, but right. they're also selling their their graphics and I think their processors into console. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, new consoles coming out, both powered by AMD. Yep. That's uh, you know, that's going to drive a lot for them. For sure. Um, granted, uh, the current Xbox, the Xbox One generation was also AMD, so it won't be that won't be a a new market for them. Uh, but there's a lot of sales but expected be sales because there's a new platform. Right. There's a lot of sales on the, uh, the series X to people who may not have been an Xbox one, uh, person because the, the series X has all kinds of promises that we'll see. We'll see about later in the year. But, um, uh, there, there's the potential that people who aren't, traditional xbox people might want a series x so you know that that might help too but you know it's been like you said uh sure laptop companies have been a little a little hesitant to to go all in on on amd but they have seen you know new partners emerge microsoft put out surface products with custom ryzen processors and um interestingly based on the latest beta of Mac OS, it appears that Apple might officially support AMD processors in their hardware as well, which would be 
a big deal for them. Um, you know, they they switched from their their weird like hybrid Motorola processors to Intel procs. Less, I think it was a. It may not have even been a full decade ago, um, which was a big deal. And there was rumor that they were they were looking at building their own ARM processor for the Macs, but that would have been the same challenge that was going from the Motorola processors to the Intels, that a lot of software wouldn't work and a lot of hardware wouldn't work and it would make a lot of people unhappy. Um, but, you know, adding AMD to the lineup, uh, again, puts pressure on Intel <laughs> to start to start doing things again uh, without the problem of uh, of nothing ever working again, <laughs> which was, you know, going from PowerPC to Intel, kind of nothing worked anymore, uh, and this wouldn't be that. Uh, but it also kind of indicates that Apple might be serious about computers again, which they haven't been for a while, uh, as the tablet market is shrinking uh, again and... PC sales are are on the rise for both Apple and uh, and Windows computers. This might be a sign that Apple's serious about it and uh, willing to go. They've been using AMD video cards for a while in Mac process, uh, Mac machines. It's not surprising to go with the processors too. So, twenty twenty could be a big big year for AMD. Be interesting to see uh, exactly what comes of this over the next 12 months. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. If you want to uh, keep your, uh, your browsing history private online, a VPN is a great way of doing that. And PureVPN uh, right now... If you go with a, uh, a short-term contract, oftentimes we've been talking about long-term uh, pricing. If you do a two-year right now, you can actually get it for $3.33 a month, which for, a, uh, for two years is a really great deal. And what it does is it gives you the ability to uh, you know, keep your browsing history private from both your ISP and Facebook, Google, you know, the, those guys. Uh, but it also gives you the ability to report uh, different locations. So if you want to, from say Canada, watch a show here in the U.S., uh, you can use that on the VPN. And uh, to find out all about that, you can go to pilchpoint.live/purevpn. So we're actually doing something a little different tonight, because we're the Pilchpoint and our Extra Life segment are kind of together, because. Uh, Avro and I are both kind of really into uh, the topic of GeForce Now, which officially came out this week, yes. and uh, we're very excited about it. So, obviously, I have used it in the past, and I know you have used it in the now. <laughs> so, uh, what have your experiences been? I've used GeForce Now and then. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, so let's let's take a step back for anyone in our audience who is not familiar with GeForce Now, as a lot of people, even very tech-savvy people, uh, have not been. So we all know about streaming services, we uh, game streaming. Uh, actually, 
cloud gaming we should call it game streaming yeah. not to be confused with people streaming their gaming right we're not uh, we're not so, talking twitch and mixer we're talking things like project x cloud uh and and services right. like that so this has been tried several times over the years the concept is is a good one which is your computer is not good enough to play pc games uh, or to play the latest PC games or to play them at the highest settings. So why don't we give let you basically use a remote computer to play your game, and then you can you have, as long as you have a good internet connection, you can have an ancient, really crappy computer or even, uh, or even use something that's not a computer, like a phone or a tablet, to play PC, to play high-end PC games remotely. Uh, so uh, it's been tried many times, and it's being tried again. We know all about Google Stadia uh, trying it and, and not coming out, and so far not being so impressive. Uh, we know uh, Microsoft is working on this with Project xCloud. There used to be services like one called OnLive uh, that, that did this. And NVIDIA has quietly been testing uh, in a public beta its own service called GeForce Now, for since 2017 so they've actually been you it's been around if you got into the public beta which they tell they said i think about 300,000 people did um and i got access to it last last spring uh you what you got the opportunity to do is play uh one of i think it supports over a thousand games and you are playing them on a remote computer that has a pretty a pretty decent nvidia graphics card they won't tell you tell you what uh now it's you're not while it's really clear that you're on a pc when you do it you're on i mean you're on a computer somewhere when you do it uh there's not like a windows desktop or something for you uh you have to you what you do is you you have an nvidia geforce now app on your computer or your phone or even an nvidia shield tv set top box and then you use that to launch the game of choice and it will ask you for a login in steam or epic game launcher or whatever the launcher is for that particular game and uh you have to own that game already so you you have if you don't already have a steam account you don't already have games on steam you got to go out and buy some or, you know, some of the games like Fortnite uh, are free to play. So you don't have to buy them. You just have to, I don't know, I guess, have your account and and register for them. Um, so now this week, GeForce Now is finally out of beta. Uh, it's it. It was not in beta quite as long as Gmail, but three, three plus years, three years is a long time. Uh, and there, and there are going to be two, there are two tiers of it. There is a free tier, which you pay nothing and you can only play your game for an hour at a time. Uh, and then you get kicked out. Uh, and then there's the, and you also have founders. You also have, um, your access to the service, uh, is, is kind of like a standard access. So if it's, if it's really busy, um, you may your login might take a little while yeah so that's important to note because let me 
I, I will get to that in one second because that that goes to the experience part of it that I have I have had and you have had. Uh, then you could pay four ninety nine a month uh, for it to be uh, in the founders tier, uh, and for that you get priority access, you get six hour sessions, uh, and you can use ray tracing games that use uh, RTX, uh, Nvidia RTX. And with the Founders Edition, you get ninety day, you get ninety days free. So basically, there's no reason why, there's no reason not to be in the Founders program right now, because you can always cancel it after ninety days. But I guess you better remember to do that. Um, it's not clear to me. Did they? It's one thing. that's not clear to me is if they automatically made everybody who was in the beta group free, or they or they made them Founders. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure, uh, because I'm pressed. They they let they they upgraded me to founder so I could try it a couple of days previously, but I will tell you that the that my experience with it has been very mixed. Uh, so on the one hand, if you can get a good connection, you can play some pretty neat games, uh, but you but it is not so easy to get a good, good connection even if you have good internet. So I have had this issue at home and at work. Uh, NVIDIA says that you need 15 megabit per second internet speed. That's not much uh, to be honest. That's not much for someone who has decent home internet these days. I mean, a lot of services are minimum 75. Um, and and that's what I have at home is, is 75. And at work, you know, we have even more. But I, but I kept getting messages at both places over the course of a lot of time saying your internet connection is spotty. And it would uh, take a long time to let me in. I would occasionally get kicked out and I would get, and it would be very, and I, and I would get images that were kind of blurry. Now, I've been using this thing on and off when it was in the beta period for about, you know, for several months and it had good days and bad, uh, which, which leads me to say that, I don't know. I mean, your mileage may vary. It may be that just the places I've tried it don't have as good internet as I think, as they appear to, maybe you'll have, maybe your mileage will vary and be better. Um, or maybe it's something on the server end. my, but, if you can get a good connection to it, it's just like playing on a high-end gaming PC. Um, the one thing that is problematic is that apparently it lost some of the game support. So when it was in beta, there were some games that were available, like the Tomb Raider games, that were subsequently removed uh, before it went, it went to live, uh, presumably because of some kind of licensing issues. Okay. What was your experience like trying it? So, so my experience was sim both similar and different. Um, obviously, depending on the device I was using, uh, because my intention was to try and use it in as many places as possible, um, you know, sometimes I had no connection issues, and sometimes I had massive connection issues. Um, the place I had, interestingly, the place I had the most problems with 
connectivity was on the Mac. Um, even hardwired to a to a, a 400 megabit connection <laughs> over a gigabit LAN cable, um, I still had uh, connectivity issues. My Windows machines, when hardwired, were mostly fine. Um, the Surface Book and the Surface, the first gen for Surface Pro, both uh, choked on Wi-Fi a little bit. Um, interestingly, my Android device, I never had connectivity issues on uh one on wi-fi but obviously on cellular it choked pretty good <laughs> um but right i, I was I, surprised by I that mean, i've primarily been using it on wi-fi with my pc so you know it it could be that but i mean I, the expectation is that you should be able to get 15 megabit on wi-fi but uh i previously used it on the nvidia shield shield tv using ethernet and i actually had a lot of issues although it wasn't the latest shield uh i was previously had a bunch of issues with it over ethernet on uh, on nvidia's own hardware the shield uh the shield tv which is which was surprising um i've talked to nvidia about these things and they say you know that that shouldn't happen so i mean we are actually going to have somebody do a more uh, long-term test of it to see how reliable it is over time uh, now that it is launched mm-hmm. and be more scientific about going to different locations to try for an article on Tom's Hardware. Uh, I think overall, though, it is the by far the best, um, you know, the best service out there if, if you can get the good, good connection to it. I am a little concerned about the fact that some some titles, uh, some important titles aren't available on it, particularly because you're the one who has to pay for it. So it's not like it's no charity. I mean, you you own you are when you pay for a GeForce now, you're not paying for the games. Right. You're just paying to basically to rent a computer on the other end. Virtual infrastructure. Um, yeah. So. Um, I think, I think that because now I had discussions, and I'm curious what you think of that this with my coworkers, and they really feel like this isn't going to do well in terms of subscribers because uh, the mindset of someone who already owns these games is that they probably already have a pretty decent PC, gaming PC, and how much are they really going to be interested in, um, in. Uh, you in having in having this service if they already have a decent gaming pc i mean yeah you could come up with an argument where they want to play it on their laptop and they have a good desktop at home so that's a scenario uh, but uh, so they you know and then the other thing is okay uh if i don't if i'm not already into pc gaming maybe i'm going to get it maybe i'm getting into console gaming instead so is there a huge enough niche of people who don't have a good gaming PC, but want to do PC gaming? Um, I think it's a possibility because there's definitely a lot more you can do on a PC uh, than on console. So, you know, it's, it's possible, but I think the fact that you have to go out and buy your own games and there's not really a follow through with it. It's not like, Oh, here I launched my GeForce now app. And then there's a store for GeForce now that I can go into it's it's oh you want a game go to steam mm-hmm. uh 
then come back and use GeForce Now to log into Steam. So um, I think a comp to get this really to be a successful model, the company that does it, I think will probably be a company like Amazon or Microsoft or Google, uh, and they will have to tie in cloud gaming to a, a library or at least to making it really easy to and seamless to buy the games. Yeah, and you know, I I like this idea. I like the because the the number one complaint with Stadia has been the fact that even if you already own the game, you have to buy it again for Stadia, um, which makes that a much less appealing uh, uh, concept. But like you said over here, there's no like integrated experience yes it's nice that if you own some games on steam and some on epic and some on you play um or battle net you can you can integrate them all into one ui yes that's nice but i can't actually do things through it i have to go to those and then come back um and so i'm with you but i definitely i think i think uh, xCloud is the one that's gonna gonna end up taking the taking the prize because they've already got the catalog. I've already got my game catalog. Microsoft already knows what it is. I've got it for both PC and for Xbox One and 360. Um, I've got hundreds of games in my in my thing, and uh, I can push. From my own hardware on the on the Series X, I'll be able to push from my own hardware out, or from virtual hardware out. Um, you know, there's there's lots of options. It's all going to have that that integrated Xbox gaming store. I I think I think XCloud in the end will be the one that that manages to do it because of that integrated everything. <laughs> the the marketplace the yeah. infrastructure the 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 whole thing um, but I think I think this is more closely aligned with what people had hoped that Stadia would been would have been um, and wasn't uh, the 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 conversation that I'm seeing online is definitely surrounded uh, by the idea that I don't have to rebuy games. If I want to play it on my PC, you know, on my gaming PC without all the all the streaming stuff, I have to buy it on Steam. And if I want to play it through Stadia, I also have to buy it on Google. And people have not been down for that. Um, but here, if you want to play it on your big PC, you buy it on Steam. And if you want to play it on your Android device out in the wild, hey, you're already on it. So, you know, I think I think this is closer to what people were looking for with with what they'd hoped for Stadia, but I I think I think the 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 structure around XCloud is going to be the one that that ends up taking the cake. Yeah, I I I have to say though, I I always have mixed feelings about these services about uh cloud gaming services because uh, they're obviously, if they work well, a good thing for consumers. 
they allow access you to play high-end stuff, high-end games without high-end hardware. But they also, if they work too well, and this I'm just going to tell you, I got a vested interest here. If they work too well, people wouldn't want to buy, wouldn't, wouldn't need to buy, uh, to buy good hardware for the home again because it's oh yeah, I'll just use this really crappy computer to play, uh, to to play um, you know, to play my games because they're all in the cloud. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we're very uh, so. I'm somewhat heartened that it doesn't work super work fantastically well because. <laughs> If we ever got to the point where your computer could just be a dumb a dumb terminal and get like ray traced really good quality games, uh, gaming experience over the internet, uh, it would it would uh, take some of the fun out of you know owning your own hardware, building your own hardware, uh, things like that. Uh, but we've been hearing about you know computers are going to become dumb clients, uh, dumb terminals for years, and uh, it hasn't happened yet. Right. But, uh, you know, kudos to NVIDIA for actually doing things the way that PC gamers want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's I think they just need to make sure that the connectivity is is there, particularly for people in the, who, who are founders and the games are there. True. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, in, in all reality, the the idea that you're essentially leasing a computer uh, off-site and using a fancy remote desktop protocol client uh, to interact with it theoretically means that NVIDIA doesn't have to do um, uh, licensing on the games, which makes it an interesting scenario. They, They might be obviously working with game manufacturers to make sure things work well and things like that. But I can put a, but it seems that they do right because, because there were a number of games that were on it that were that subsequently, which they didn't say officially why it happened that subsequently left the cert left the service like the Tomb Raider games mm-hmm. and you know, the rumor going around, nobody really knows but the spec for sure. But the speculation is some of these games have exclusivity deals with, uh, with Google and therefore they can't they can't be on uh, on GeForce now, which makes no sense because you're they're not you know uh-huh. all, all that GeForce now is doing is renting you the computer right 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 with with remote desktop it's yeah. anyway um, but it it does mean that that there's the potential for um, small publishers for indie publishers to be able to get in on this in a way that they could never get into stadia. They could never get possibly depending on how, again, how X cloud works uh, may or may not be able to get into something like that, but could never get into stadia. Uh, so you might see, you know, little titles like the ones that, uh, that, that my team have been doing reviews on my beautiful paper, paper smile and uh, macrosis, the, weird little rabbit game that I played um, a King's quest. These are, you know, games from small publishers. You might actually see them with support on this platform in a way that you never would have seen uh, support on, on a, like a proper license type situation. Uh, so it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, 
where this goes over the the next couple of months to the next couple of years um, as they try to get there before you know who did we we talked a couple months ago EA has got their own system that they're working on um, obviously Google's got theirs we know Microsoft's got xCloud coming soon uh, probably to coincide with the launch of the the series X this holiday you know we've got we've got a lot of these things coming and for Nvidia getting out there first might be the best decision they've made so, um, did you say that you guys, um, that you've already got content out there on this? Yes. So we have an article about, about it, uh, that I put up last week and we are also doing a long-term test to see how it performs over time. That's a, that's a great idea. I look so forward to see the article, that. go to tomshardware.com, but, uh, we will have something more definitive, uh, within a few weeks. Very cool. Well, I, I look forward to seeing that, that kind of like long-term test, uh, content because obviously our little kind of testing it in beta on a couple of devices isn't quite the same as being able to take a, a group of things and go to a place and test a thing and then take them all to the, another place and test a, you know, having a, <laughs> a structure as opposed to you and I going, Hey, I want to play this game right now. This is the computer I have. Let's see if it works. Yeah. That's not quite the same thing. So I uh, definitely look forward to that. And as always, I look forward to what we talk about next week. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks, Make Fun of Movies, or Let These Guys Do It For You, because that's what they do. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like The Shape of Things to Come. Uh, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, DVD, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they do live events. Um, those oftentimes find their way over to the site as well, sometimes with full video, so you don't have to do the syncing yourself or find the movie yourself. Um, they also have short films, uh, industry films, those weird things that you used to watch in elementary school and they make those things uh, wonderfully funny you can find out about all of the the feature films the short films and the kids guide to the internet which is uh, I believe the short that the meme of the kid with doing the thumbs up comes from you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash riff tracks with an X oh my goodness I definitely think that's where that meme comes from, which oh, makes me happy. Anyway, so uh, uh, obviously we've talked a number of times about uh, facial recognition in particular uh, when it comes to government uh, use of facial recognition. Um, we talked on the show maybe six months ago about New York putting it in in uh, schools 
which was pretty terrifying and uh, was put down pretty quick uh, because obviously people didn't like it. The idea of the government, particularly scanning children for facial recognition, is a uh, bizarre situation. But kind of the face of what's going on with the government using facial recognition has definitely been from a little startup that just a couple of months ago nobody outside of law enforcement had ever heard of, uh, but now seemingly everybody knows. It's called Clearview AI, and they have produced a platform for law enforcement to be able to uh, essentially put in a, a photo, uh, what they, I can't remember what they call it, they, uh, a probe image, that's it. Uh, they put in a probe image or multiple and they get back identities of the people in it. Um, this has been massively polarizing for obvious reasons. Uh, the privacy concerns alone, the, uh, the idea of, um, of a database of people, especially when you take into consideration that Clearview has, um, has a policy where they keep the probe images forever. So, these victims' photos get added into the AI in a way that's uncomfortable. Um, but on the other side, law enforcement has been saying that it's the greatest technology that has ever been uh, produced for law enforcement. Um, there's there's an or uh, a group. I believe it was in Iowa. No, it wasn't in Iowa. Maybe it was Illinois or something. Um, that has found, yeah, this is killing me. Indiana, uh, Indiana, um, has been using it for identifying victims in, uh, child exploitation content, um, so that they can, uh, inform the victims that the perpetrator has been caught, ask for victim statements, things like that, um, and so that brings us back once again to the same topic of privacy and security versus the topic that law enforcement keeps using child exploitation. We talk about it when it comes to the government saying encryption is terrible. Um, and here we're having the same conversation with the government going facial recognition is fantastic. Um, and it's not just the public who's who's unhappy with it. Uh, tech companies don't like it either because the massive database of faces that they have have come from scraping data from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and and the like. So all kinds of privacy things coming up here. Obviously, it's a big topic, Avram, but what? Where are you on this? Ha. Huh. So I just wanted to point out that you said that the school, did you just say that the school was not, it didn't succeed in the school because an article just went up on the New York times this past week by my, uh, by my friend, uh, Davey Alba about the fact that uh, Lockport school turned it on in January. They, they passed the court challenges. Oh, did they? Now they are doing, 
Yes, and now they are doing it at school. Okay, because they had so, they had done I, it they had done it in June, and an injunction made them stop. And yeah, I hadn't yes. I hadn't heard that the case had gone yes. all the way through. So it went through, and the school district won. Yes, <sighs> yes, yes, and and they've been doing it for a few weeks now. Uh, my former uh, colleague Davy Alba, who is now works for the New York Times, and is and is going to win a Pulitzer someday soon because she is a fantastic reporter on issues like facial recognition. Um, uh, did a story about uh, what's going on in the Lockport High School now. Lockport was Lockport was specifically the school we talked about in June. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's the same one. Yeah. So uh, they were determined and they haven't stopped. So. Um, What's a little bit messed up in reading her story about it is that they uh, they really are folk there. You so there. I think they said that they can't use it on the children, but they can use it on any anyone else who comes in or. Um, and what's okay. weird is they say just as you're talking about child exploitation being the uh, the excuse uh, in a lot of cases, the uh, school shootings is mm-hmm. is the school district's excuse. Yeah. But when you hear about why they think this is going to prevent school shootings, it doesn't make sense. So what they said is that it's looking for the faces of a particular uh, group of people that they consider to be dangerous. So it's not looking for anybody it's only okay if someone is a registered sex offender in the area they might be on the blacklist sure if somebody is if somebody is a former employee of the school that was fired or something like that they might be on the list uh but uh if you're if you're not known to them uh then it's not going to catch you and the other thing is some of the things that they were saying are, oh, well, what happens if someone goes through the side door, you know? Well, first of all, it seems to me like your number one problem is that they didn't, is that they're counting on not locking their door. Like you can't, if you recognize someone's face and they're a school shooter, by the time you already in the school, recognizing their face on the camera and are sending somebody to act to, to, to stop them. It's too late. It's too late. So that's ludicrous, a ludicrous uh, re- reasoning. and Which suggests that it's not the real the reasoning. Well, what, what, is the real, what is the real reasoning if it's not to just, I don't know, make money for somebody or something? Because it doesn't, it doesn't, make, a lot, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And we also know that facial recognition isn't really that accurate. Right. I mean, it's... And so your people are plowing ahead with this technology without really w- w- worrying about the accuracy of mm-hmm. it, whether it's going to flag the wrong people. Uh, granted, I think what they said is that if somebody looks like a person of interest to facial recognition, then they'll have a human look at it before they uh, dispatch Act. security to deal with this person. So... So a, you can't trust it enough. B, um, like, 
by the time it's detected someone, a human being has verified that this is a problem, and you sent the security guard to them, uh, it's probably way, way too late. If they were really going to do something bad, it's probably way too late. Um, so, but I think in general, I'm, I'm very concerned about facial recognition being used for anything because it's not 100% accurate. Um, Far from. And it does lead to it does lead to a lot of problems with people and and it's been shown that facial recognition is not equally accurate across racial groups it can be uh it can be quite inaccurate and now there's yeah. a new thing apparently uh some which uh some airlines are now uh having you use facial recognition to get your boarding pass uh oh they uh did you uh did you hear about that no uh, that's terrible I that it i think that it i think that it is an option whereas you know like you get to the kiosk and you could put in your your uh credit card or put in your traveler number and uh but they but i believe it was delta or something that is now that is now doing that at least at some machines where you show up and one option is to do facial recognition. Where's the face that they're even matching it against? Right. Is it the one on your driver's license? Because that wouldn't work very well for me. My driver's license picture is really old. You know, they don't even, I don't even think it's really transparent, like where they're getting the data to match your face against. Uh, apparently, so. apparently JetBlue is using using facial recognition somewhere they were an early adopter of the tech <laughs> obviously i went and started doing searches on it um yeah that's yeah. uh uncomfortable i don't like that and uh uh the uh homeland security has like been using it in a lot of places which isn't better because again, what are they matching against? What does the database look like? What technology are they using? Because we know that a lot of these technologies, having having tested them, just as a developer, I like to do things like that. Um, I've used the one from Watson. Yikes! I've I've used the one from AWS. Double yikes! There. Just none of them are great. The only one I've seen come even close, ironically, is Facebook, who doesn't like uh, the Clearview AI, which is unbelievably ironic. Um, Facebook's has been the, the closest I've seen, but they don't make that one public. They just use it internally to, hey, we think your friend so-and-so might be in this photo with you. Is that true? Um, and even then... Uh, it's not it's not great tech and and potentially will never be great tech because you know uh data points change on a face for all kinds of reasons it's you know obviously there's the 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 clear ones right there's there's palsy there's a stroke there's things like that that have have an immediate end distinct 
data point change, but it, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're certainly not being transparent about how well it works. And let's keep in mind that the facial recognition that is for unlocking your phone or unlocking your, uh, windows, hello login, uh, is held to is understandably held to a much lower standard than one which involves like being tackled by the police right i mean the facial i mean honestly i think that the ones for your phone and for your and for your computer are made to be have a little bit lower degree of confidence because look we just want people to be able to log in and and maybe they're not expecting someone who looks like you to try to get in. During a but, uh, during I mean, one of our CES interviews, uh, somebody said eighty percent confidence or something like that, which is incredibly low. That's that's the reason why phones will unlock for for twins and photos and <laughs> video and things like that is because that's a really low level of confidence. Yeah. So they would be better off uh, fingerprint scanning everybody at the, than doing, uh, not that I'm saying that's great, but at least my big problem with it isn't like, it's definitely I'm concerned about privacy, but most importantly is, I think most important is accuracy. Like I don't want people getting pulled over. I don't want to be pulled over. I don't think anybody wants to be pulled over, you know, told you can't, fly or you're dangerous or whatever because the system misidentifies your face yeah uh one of the things in the story uh in the story about uh lockheed uh school is that a uh, lock lockport school lockheed school is that uh apparently it sends a message out to the police and if the police can't reach anyone at the school to say that there's not a problem they'll treat it as a quote unquote live situation and start deploying the SWAT team or whatever that, or whatever, um, you know, measure that they would take if they think there could be an active shooter. So like you could see the potential here for somebody to get killed. Oh, absolutely. This, that's, that is essentially the school district swatting themselves. Yes. That's a terrible idea. Oh my gosh. That's, that's even worse than what I thought. Oh no. Yeah, that's gonna end up that's gonna end up creating a dangerous situation for students and faculty. <sighs> well, obviously, um as as your friend says on on Twitter, um facial recognition is coming for all of us. Um and it doesn't seem like there's any stopping it because law enforcement, who doesn't seem to understand it, loves it. So uh, we have to hope that the that the privacy organizations are able to get somewhere um, before our our worst case scenario that we just pitched actually happens.
This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free shipping, but you may not know that you get a whole lot more than that. You get Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to stream for free as part of your subscription. You get Amazon Prime Video, which gives you TV, movies, documentaries, both original content and licensed content available, again, for free as part of your subscription. And my favorite, Twitch Prime, which gives you uh, one free subscription that you can use to uh, financially help the content creator of your choice. Uh, you can use that to subscribe to Plug Hits Live and help us create new content or any other content creator that, you're, uh, that you want. And you get free games. Oh my goodness. How can you not love free games? I use them all the time. Uh, so we've put together a little page to help you know some of your uh, some of our favorite benefits. Plus, if you're not already a subscriber, you can get 30 days for free to find out if it's for you. And uh, you can get all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime. Uh, I'm going to do it to you guys again. We're going to talk about another streaming video service. <sighs> all right. So... A couple months ago, we talked about the weirdness that is the relationship between Viacom and CBS. The fact that several times they've been one company, several time they, times they've been two companies. Once again, they are back to one. Um, and they have decided that they want to create a streaming service that will bring all of the Viacom CBS content under one roof. Okay, that I'm fine with in theory because Viacom CBS has... CBS All Access, Showtime Now, or whatever it's called, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, all these have their own streaming platforms. The idea of being able to, because we've been talking about consumer fatigue for a long time on streaming content, the idea of bringing all of that together under one roof, for me, is a great idea in theory. However... Great ideas seem to be a hit or miss thing over at the new Viacom CBS because this will not replace all of the existing services. It will be in addition to. So, in addition to CBS All Access, Showtime Now, Comedy Central, MTV, and all of the streaming apps for the individual networks. There will also be some mythical new Viacom CBS branded overarching thing that will also have the content. So, just like Comcast, they have decided to compete with themselves. <sighs> Is this not the opposite of what would be ideal, Avram? <laughs> I can't hear you. Mike seems to be off, buddy. Oops, still got nothing from you. Did we turn off over here? No. I don't have anything from you. No? Oh, now uh, I do. Uh, oh, okay. That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, maybe anyway. it's our temporary freeze. Uh, so, yeah, you know, well, companies come out with different products that are somewhat similar all the time. 
so I don't think that's necessarily uh, a problem. It's just that there's too many streaming services right now. Right. Um, maybe we should get to a point where we're just paying for the program that we want. I don't know if people really want to do that because there's some 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 shows I've seen on on uh, Netflix where I'm like, I don't think I would have paid just to see that. Yeah. But, you know, it's weird because there's just too many different services where people are subscribing just to see one or two things. Um, one thing I do like is the way that Prime Video allows you to add and remove channels. Yeah. So I recently uh, signed up for CBS All Access again because I wanted to watch Picard. Picard. And 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 I also wanted to watch. I my wife and I had totally not signed up again last year when we wanted to see Discovery season two. So, but rather than sign up and have to go in and cancel my credit card and hope that it gets canceled at the right time, now I just know okay I can turn on and off that channel in in Prime Video and it gets charged charged to me by Amazon. So I actually think what Amazon is doing there is is very consumer friendly because at least you have you don't have to have all of these separate mm-hmm. charges from all of these separate companies uh, that you have to go on and off of. Yeah, uh, I think that that's the the issue. Yeah, it would be nice to have an overall service that gave you more diff- more different things ultimately these things are becoming more and more like cable mm-hmm. right it's like you're you try to get away from cable but instead you have basically the equivalent of cable do you want this package or do you not except that you get to uh, a la carte a little bit package yes uh, but but even with cable, there are things like, oh, do you want HBO? Right. Or do you want or do you want Cinemax or do you want Showtime or do you want Stars? Uh, and in some places, you have a choice of whether or not you have. And and there are different package channels too. Like the most basic one on cable only gives you like a hundred channels, and you know you might have to pay for more just because. Oh, hey, you want Cartoon Network? That's like, you know. You got to pay to get a hundred other channels just to get the one extra one that you wanted. Right. And and that could be like this, where you wanted to watch one show, but you have to put, but to do it, you got to uh, get a whole streaming service. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, CBS All Access has been a great example of that for us because you know there's the the Star Trek shows. That's kind of about it for me. Uh, it, which, I think it is for most people. How many young Sheldon fans are there really? Right, exactly. And that's on TV anyway, so you can probably get that on your either your DVR or your on-demand from your your uh, your existing oh, cable. I thought that was exclusive for a while. Was that was that not exclusive for a while? Exclusive to that CBS All Access for a while? I think it premiered on, I think it premiered on All Access, uh, but I it came to it came to broadcast when the original series was canceled, I think. Like when I think they were only running one of them. So when uh, when Big Bang anyway, went I'll away, take young pride in not yeah. I'll take pride in not knowing what goes on with Big Bang Theory cuz I I'm offended by that show. Me too. Um but but yeah, so this will be 
this will be interesting. It obviously it'll be there's the CBS All Access originals, which are theoretically CBS All Access licensed. It'll be interesting to see if those are available on this new bigger overarching service. I imagine they will be, but who knows? Um, it also means that all of Star Trek will be under one banner, not just TV and movies that theoretically were owned by different people. Um, Paramount versus CBS, uh, Paramount and CBS are now together. And so, uh, they technically fall under one, one banner again for the first time in a while. So, uh, I imagine you'll be able to watch all of Star Trek in one place. Um, but I don't know if all of this stuff is already out there and most of it doesn't require signing up, you know, MTV, VH1, Comedy Central. If you've got a cable subscription, you've already got all those things. Um, so I don't know if if the idea isn't isn't consolidation. I don't know what the purpose of this one is. So. Will it work? Who knows? Um, and in the grand scheme of all of the many, many services that are out there, I don't know if I care. So, but it's coming. Uh, hooray. Well, that is our show. Thank you for those of you who joined us live. If you didn't, that is okay. Uh, in the future, if you'd like to, Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, you can join us live, chat with us in the studio, uh, talk about what you like, what you don't like, what things, uh, what topics uh, annoy you, like facial recognition does for us. <laughs> um, if you can't join us live, that's okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and see all the different ways that you can subscribe to f5live, the pilch point, and a whole lot more. Um, next week, I think we're going to have a, uh, a cool announcement to bring you, uh, about another way that you can listen as well. Um, and although tonight may not have been a show and tell, uh, if you are listening to the audio and like to watch the show as well, you can always do that, uh, at f5live.tv. Um, and I think with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avery. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.